Hey everybody, it's uh, Kieran here. I'm sure probably some of you have heard my voice, but if you're not familiar with who I am, I'm the guy behind WP Radio that makes all of this stuff happen. And I really appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to all of these episodes. It's really great. We're seeing these numbers going up and it's fantastic. But the reason I'm recording this right now is because uh, our lovely host, Terry, is away right now at work and he didn't have time and I didn't want to make him record these intros because I'm sure a lot of you guys saw he was working all day interviewing people so by the time we were done I just said to him hey we'll figure it out later I wanted to give him a rest and we had other things to go do but he really really worked super hard the day for the the claims conference it was awesome we recorded 15 interviews total so all of those will be coming out very very soon But right now, I just want to apologize and say that there should have been something that came out last week and there wasn't because I went to Whistler and I didn't have anything recorded and I didn't have my mixer or anything on me. So I do apologize for that. I'm not going back there anytime soon, so that's not going to happen. My favorite thing and priority is podcasting and WP Radio and doing all of that great stuff. That being said, we have three episodes coming out this week. One, the one you're listening to right now. Tomorrow as well, on Thursday, there will be another episode coming out. And these are both from WP Live. And last but certainly not least, we've got the OIAA Trivia Show coming out later this week. And the reason I want to emphasize that so much is because we still do not have a guest for that show. And I want someone to email me as soon as they can when they're listening to either this episode or the next episode and tell me that they want to be on the show. Because the whole point of it is that we are trying to show our support and appreciation to our listeners and stuff. So if you could respond and be the first person to respond right away, or if you're the second person to respond and the first person doesn't win, we will 100% text you and have you on the show and how that's going to work is you've got to listen to the past two episodes and uh these ones coming out now all you have to pretty much do is retain that information nothing too insane but we're going to ask you a series of questions to make sure that you are listening and if you do you are going to win a pair of toronto raptors tickets which is pretty insane right now because they're doing really well the game you'll be going to if you win is the Minnesota Timberwolves versus the Toronto Raptors on Monday, February 10th at 7.30 p.m. So as soon as you're done listening to this, email me or pause it and email me right now at Kieran, spelled K-I-E-R-A-N, at Doherty, D-O-H-E-R-T-Y, I'm sure you already know how to spell that one, 664.com. So that's Kieran at Doherty664.com. And I will try and see if we can squeeze you in for the show. It's basically going to be very radio call-in style where we pretty much call you and ask you a series of questions. And if you win, you know, you're going to get these tickets, which is pretty cool because you can take your significant other. You can take a friend. Uh, It's pretty impressive for you to say, I won these tickets on a show. So... We're excited about that just because it's going to be a really cool time. But beyond that, I just want to say thanks again so much for everyone coming out to the Claims Conference last week. If you couldn't make it, it was a blast. Try and come to the next one because they're such great events and you can see how much everyone really cares about it. So on today's episode, we've got John Russell from Diane Russell LLP and Michael Swinley from Templeman LLP 
pretty much kicking off the first episode of our case law show. We both had John and Mike specifically come in for this interview, and it was really awesome to see them meet for the first time. It was it was just a great time all around. So the interview was great. You're going to hear a lot about what they were talking about, and mainly um, just what they plan on talking about for the rest of the year. That's that's really the great part. Is it's a really good kickoff show. Thank you so much for listening, and we will be back tomorrow with another episode. Make sure you look out for that one, and once again, send me that email, and uh, we'll get you on the OIAA Trivia Show. All right, it's once again, it's Terry Doherty. We're WP Radio Live. We're here at the Claims Conference, and I've got uh, two great lawyers here with me. I've got Michael Swinley from Templeman, and I've got uh, John Russell from Diane Russell. Uh, John's our plaintiff lawyer this year, and uh, Michael is our defense lawyer. And uh, we're going to talk to them, get to know them a little bit here. Um, and this is the new show. It's a podcast that will be out once a month, and then we're going to have both lawyers on, and we're going to get a plaintiff perspective and a defense perspective. We've never done this before. This is new to the industry. We, we just typically shy away from having uh, plaintiff lawyers and defense lawyers in the same room. Not sure why, but we've done that. Uh, but we're going to try something. We'll see, you know, we don't come to punches. It'll be good. The great thing about the podcast regulars, we'll be calling in. So if they disagree, they can disagree over the phone. But uh, let's get to know you. Um, Michael, uh, just give us a little bit of your background and uh, tell us where you're from and uh, how you ended up at uh, Templeman. Sure. Thanks, Harry. So I'm originally from St. Catharines, born and raised. Uh, came to Kingston for law school in 2006, and uh, if you've ever been to Kingston, you'll know why I settled there. It's just a wonderful city. I love the east, uh, eastern Ontario and the east region in general. Uh, so stuck around, uh, was hired on as Templeman, and had the, uh, uh, the glory of articling under Brian Abrams, who's now Justice Brian Abrams, uh, primarily sitting in Brockville, but, but throughout the east region. Uh, I was then mentored by uh, our, our senior partner, uh, Willie Meninga, uh, who is now doing mediations and uh, became a partner five, six years ago now. I practice uh, primarily in the area of uh, insurance defense uh, and in civil litigation. So primarily I'm doing defense work. If it's not insurance defense, I'm doing private retainer defense work and insurance uh, defense opinions for various companies. Uh, I tend to do a lot of traveling on the road through the East region, as is the uh, case with uh, uh, being out there. So my catchment area is typically from Port Hope all the way to Cornwall and sometimes uh, up to Pembroke and other uh, northern areas. Yeah, and I've gotten to know you over the years, and that's great. And I, I, I love working with your firm on the defense side and things. And, uh, and let's get to know John. John, um, John Russell of uh, Diane Russell uh, and uh, Plaintiff Firm. And John, tell us a little bit about you and how you got into law and where you started and how things came and how you became Diane Russell. Sure. Thanks, Terry. I've been doing it now for about 30 years. I started out on the defense side. You mentioned something before about you wonder why there isn't any plaintiff lawyers on the show or why we don't commingle, I guess, or get together more often. And I think a big part of that problem is um, why I decided to become a plaintiff lawyer in the first place is that I think there was room for a different approach. You know, being a, a plaintiff lawyer, um, having been a defense lawyer for such a long period of time, it's informed how I deal with things now. And I, and I think it just starts from having respect for the other side. I understand the insurance companies, I respect them, I respect the lawyers on the other side. I don't come from it from a place of, I'm going to be smarter than they are. I'm going to bully them into something. Um, you come to them with a good case and a reasonable position, you can get things done. There's no reason that the adversarial system has to be so adversarial. It's kind of what I, that's our approach. 
my uh, background, uh, dating myself a little bit, you can't see the gray hair on a radio, but but doing this 30 years, some of the, where I started, people may not even remember these names, but Fireman Regan, kind of like the place to be back in the day in Toronto. Um, it was a few other places after that, but doing our own firm now, the plaintiff firm has been about uh, 16 years or 15 years now, so. It's been a while. It's been a while, so almost uh, half and half now in terms of what I've been doing, but yeah. And uh, the the plaintiff side is, is, is much different, right? You you take, it's kind of an all-comers market kind of thing, right? No, I would, I would disagree with that. Um, we're, well, very, we're very picky about how we, uh, we take our cases. I don't, we turn away people every day, actually, uh, because we know what cases are worthwhile, especially when you're dealing with auto accidents, obviously. You gotta deal with the threshold. We don't want cases that uh, are good. You know, we want people that have real claims, basically, and then we're there to help them. And what types of cases do you handle in your firm? And then I'll come back and ask you, Michael, the same thing. Well, we handle all, all plaintiff personal injury. We, we do some medical malpractice, but again, there we're very picky about that. I have a lot of friends that are doctors, so unless I have one of them vet the case and say that, yes, somebody's dropped the ball here, we don't take, we don't just, I, I, don't, want to, uh, I don't want to be known as a firm that does medical ma ma malpractice for the most part. Um, we take more serious cases. Uh, motor vehicle cases are probably still the bread and butter or the majority of the cases that we do. Um, and then other various types of liability cases as well. So any injuries, but still mostly car accidents. Okay. And Michael, on your side, what is uh, what do you focus on? And then it's kind of is uh, Templeman, uh, I'm assuming Templeman's a full service defense firm? That's right. So Templeman's a full service firm in general. So we are up to, I think, about 35 lawyers now, which places us as one of the biggest in the East region, uh, certainly outside Ottawa. Um, so within the civil litigation department, uh, there are four or five uh, partners and a number of associates that work in insurance defense, which is still uh, probably our biggest area in general at the firm. And then within insurance defense, I mean, we cover the full gamut of insurance defense, be it bodily injury claims, property damage claims, uh, professional liability, not-for-profit liability, coverage opinions, um, and uh, so uh, various different lawyers in our firm specialize in, in certain areas. One of my partners specializes, for example, in uh, disability insurance denials and, and travels actually all over the country doing disability insurance work. My practice focuses primarily on, uh, you, you know, your bread and butter insurance defense work, uh, motor vehicle accidents, slip and falls and trip and falls, so general bodily injury, as well as property damage, uh, which would include both, uh, you know, uh, defense side property damage, as well as subrogated work. So I've got the right people then. So you both do auto, you do it for defense, and John does it for the plaintiff. So this is going to be a good podcast. So let's uh, let's kind of kind of. You know, what do you think the topics we should cover this year? Let's uh, let's get your opinion. What do you guys think? Do we do we want to go into A, B, B, I? Do we want to talk about the the deductible in B, I, and you know how things are changing, or you know there's there's new regime coming in and changes? What do you think? What do you think people are going to be interested in? Well, it's such a changing market, especially with auto. And I mean, I think one of the big topics we ought to cover um, is you know safer cars. What's going, what does this look like? Is there going to be a substantial auto practice in the next five to 10 years? You know, you ask many a lawyer, and I know I'm seeing on the defense side, and, and many plaintiffs lawyers tell me they're getting out of auto because they see the writing on the wall. I have seen more 
uh, claims brought on the property damage or for professional liability by the usual plaintiff's lawyers in, in the East region who would typically focus on insurance defense uh, last year and this year than any other year. And all of them are telling me, we're getting out. So that, that might be uh, one topic I think we could probably spend at least one or two podcasts on. Yeah, I think that's an interesting uh, topic. I'm not as doom and gloom about that as some people would be because I think while uh, self-driving cars are coming, it's definitely going to be a, a thing and it's going to change things as it comes. <clears throat> You're never really going to get the situation where we have no issue until, until we have um, every car on the road self-driving. That's, that's a long time away. I think we're, you know, 20, 25 years before that happens. But what it's going to be interesting, though, is we, we're going to have self-driving cars, and how does that affect it? I think you're going to have fewer accidents with them, but the ones that we do have are going to be a lot worse. So, so I, I think that's definitely an interesting topic. So I, and I got to tell you, I just got a new car. It's a company car, and the self-driving features in it are ridiculous. And I mean, my personal car, which is much more expensive and, you know, in the branding, it has way less features than my new company car. I mean, it literally has a self-driving feature. It has lane, it holds it, it's in its lane. I can literally put it in drive, put one finger on the car, and it'll drive from one end of Ontario to the other. It'll slow down, it'll speed up. It won't change lanes, so it's not an infinity, but it'll do everything but. Well, I think the problem you're gonna have now is that it's just what you said. People are going to get lulled into a sense that their cars can do more than they can and, and, and you get into trouble as a result. That's what you're finding now. You're getting cars that are people are driving around in Teslas that have the ability to self-drive and so they'll actually let it drive, but it's not there yet. The technology's not quite there and I think it's going to be a while in Canada too because the snow and the dirt and the roads create problems for the sensors. So this is a, it's a great topic. I talk about this a lot. I don't... Um, it, it, I think it's going to be very, very interesting because how you mix these cars in with regular cars on the road. We're going to be now suing Microsoft. We're going to be suing the, the companies that make the chips. So everybody's going to be pointing fingers at everybody. Um, it'll be interesting for the deductible because arguably these are not people, like does the deductible apply to Microsoft? Well, that's why I'm wondering, right? It's it, You're taking it right outside the industry at that point, right? It's not, it's no longer an insurance matter. It's a, it's a civil matter. So... So does the deductible apply on one part of the claim and not on the other? Uh, and, and then the other thing is, how are you going to get these parties involved, right? Is it, is it really Microsoft or is it the software company that Microsoft worked with? I mean, there, it, it seems it'll be endless on who you're going to be naming. Well, it's certainly an exciting time. And I mean, another topic I think we, we ought to broach and we just talk about the practice of law in general and how it applies, uh, especially with, with jury trials. So with the new simplified procedure rules, you know, increasing the limit to $200,000 and eliminating jury trials, I think that's going to have a significant impact on uh, especially the motor vehicle practice uh, and slip and fall practice for sure. I mean, I I'm already hearing plaintiff side lawyers in Kingston talking about salivating. They were, they were hoping that the small claims limit was going to come up to $50,000, but even at 35, you're going to have a lot of your, your smaller, you know, uh, retired people who have uh, experienced a slip and fall or trip and fall, you're going to see them run a small claims uh, uh, matter uh, with much better margins for them. Then you're looking at the motor vehicle work and, uh, you know, we're going to see, I think, likely, more and more non-trial work and simplified procedure trials for uh, some of your motor vehicles. Now, there's pros and cons, obviously, on the plaintiff side to do that because you... Uh, 
um, you're not bringing your million dollar claims anymore. But uh, certainly it'll be interesting to see where we go in that uh, regime. No, I think the $200,000 will be good uh, overall. It, it'll allow us to get things done faster. I think that's my biggest problem nowadays is that things don't move as quickly as they are they, they used to. Um, you know, I'm sitting here with counsel that I think gets it, but there's a lot of um, younger counsel, I'll be frank, that are not moving cases as fa quickly as they should. Now, is it because they don't have the authority or they don't know, or is it a combination of both, or the insurance company just, I mean... I think it's all of those things. Yeah? Yeah, yeah I think it's all of those things. I think that, um, and maybe even I think we discussed this off air a little bit, that it's, uh, people aren't getting trained the way they used to. You know, you harken back to, we mentioned some names of these older fellows that we, we practiced under. It was a different time and era, and we learned how to do things. Basically assess the case and that applies on both sides you know there's going to be a difference of opinion about what a case is worth but we have an objective injury we know what those cases are worth you know those cases don't need to go to trial uh if if handled properly on both sides so that's why i think if we have this two hundred thousand dollar limit it makes a lot of sense because 80 percent of the cases are going to be within that limit so we can deal with things quicker and easier and we also i mean i still tend to prefer jury trials a lot of lawyers don't, a lot of plaintiff lawyers don't, and I think it's just because I was a defense lawyer for so long, I've done so many jury trials, I just prefer it. I'm more comfortable with that, so I, that, I miss that to a certain extent, but I think it'll help because younger lawyers that are having a difficult time making decisions will now be able to take guidance from what the judges are saying. Look at case law. So are we getting rid of jury trials? Is that what you're saying? Well, I think they're suggesting that for this, the, the new... For the uh, new simplified? simplified? rules, yeah. So everything under 200 is judge alone? Yes, yeah. And you think that's going to be better or worse? Because, I mean, a, a standard practice I understood for most insurers was you want a jury. Yep. Yeah, immediately put in a jury notice on, yeah. on all MVA cases. So again, it's all a matter of what's claimed. So if you have a motor vehicle claim come in that's limited to $200,000... You know, as a defense counsel, you're going to say, well, folks, sorry, we're snookered here. We're not going to get our jury notice in. The flip side to it is that there's trial limits. Uh, they've, they've brought that down five days or ten days, and I can't recall what it is. I've, yeah, yeah, so they've, they've limited your trial time and simplified. They've lim limited your discovery time, eliminated juries. So the flip side to it is um, you're going to be able, as a defense lawyer, to give your adjuster a very concrete cost budget and say, okay, our worst case scenario is $200,000 plus our cost of disbursements. Here's what it's going to cost because we are limited to this much time under this. And then, you know, I think what you're going to see is a lot more business being done uh, before or just after discoveries to say, okay, here's our goalpost. Let's get this stuff done. So Thanks. you're also going to be very, you're going to have to, sorry, be very suggestive or very specific on the type of uh, experts you hire then too, I would assume, guys. I mean, because you can't, if you're limited to five days in total, you, you can't be saying, hey, we're going to have 17 witnesses or 17 experts. You've got to pick the right ones, and they better be good. And there's a limit on experts under the new rules, I knew too, there so was. Yeah. That's why I was saying <laughs> that. That just encourages common sense. That's <laughs> basically what well, it's yeah. doing. And so I, I think it's a good thing. And this is something that, um, you know, may not make, uh, I'm not going to make friends with younger lawyers, certain people, certain firms, but um, defense lawyers are taking too long at discovery to begin with. I, and, I, and, I, and I say that as a former defense lawyer, I can, even in the most serious of cases, I would be done in two hours. And yet I'm finding on small cases, objective injuries, a case that may be worth $100,000, 
I'm at Discovery all day. Oh, who's so you're saying the paying? length of time of the discovery, not yeah. how many discoveries. No, well, that too. I mean, people are trying to do a second discovery on cases that don't need it. I'm saying I think they're wasting a lot of the insurance company's money. Um, not, my, not my colleague today, but uh, I, I'm seeing that in a lot of lawyers. And is it because they don't know what they're looking for? They're just, yes. are they going fishing or, no, I, I think that, you know, I think for the, lack of a better word? I think the problem is, is then it's, it, it's harder for people to do trials. You know, I, I come from I, a time, I come from a time where, you know, they were more plentiful than the lawyers, but I learned how to do it. I've done the trials. There's a lot of these young lawyers haven't. And I think as a result, they're not getting the training that they need. They don't know what's important, what's not important. And I can't, obviously, I'm on the other side of the table. They're not going to listen to me as nice as I want to be them. I have to just sit there and let them create these ridiculous transcripts that are not going to help them. You know, so they're uh, missing out, right? They're missing the key points. Is, is that what I'm getting from this? Well, it's not even that. And, and, and John's quite right. You have to go through a trial or a dozen to really get a sense of, What's important in a transcript? How am I going to use that transcript? And so many, and I see it too with, with the, some lawyers, you know, you, you put, throw them into their first discovery, and what they ought to do, one of the first questions I often get from some of my young colleagues is, do you have a script? No, you don't, not only do I not have a script, you don't use a script, that's half the problem. So many, I'll see them come in, and John's probably, John's nodding at me here, where they'll have their standard questions, questions. and oh, just yeah. go through. I was asked recently, and I'm a plaintiff lawyer, if I had surveillance of the defendant. Think about that. <laughs> Sorry, they asked, the insurer asked you? Yes, the insurance defense counsel asked my client, well, asked me, uh, whether we had surveillance. Surveillance of your own client? No, of their client. What? I don't even Somehow know. it was in the script, I guess. I don't know. Really? So just not following, just in the questioning, no. just not thinking. And going back, you know, you, you sit down, you think of reviewing a transcript prior to a trial and, and looking for your inconsistencies. If you're going through a 500-page transcript full of dribble, you're wasting your time. And you'll do it once. I mean, as a young lawyer, you're going to go in, you're going to have, because you, you don't want to miss anything. Then sure. you're going to do that trial, look at this stuff and go, why did I do this? And it's a learning experience, and you'll get better at it. So that's half the problem, compounding the fact that we aren't seeing young lawyers getting trial time. It's affecting their, their ability to practice in a more efficient manner. Well, I can tell you from being on the insurance side, I've been to less and less trials as the years have gone on. I've been in the industry almost 30 years. And when I first started in the industry, I went to trials quite frequently and sat in on trials and as the days have gone I don't even hear about them let alone know they're going on so I mean it's I, I wasn't sure if it's they're just settling or we're just not doing them or what's going on or these cases are just going on forever well the fact that we're doing fewer trials is not necessarily a problem because things evolve and it's not a bad thing if you have counsel on both sides of the table that respect the other side respect the arguments that they're dealing with and know how to assess a case most cases don't need to go to trial I'll be honest, in the 30-plus trials I've done over the years, most of those were a long time ago now, but uh, they shouldn't have went to trial. I was on the defense side, and plaintiffs were you know, being aggressive on cases, and they, as a result, they lost. You, most cases, we know what, what's going on, and you get into that right range, and you can call. So I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that there are fewer trials uh, overall. The bad thing is that you've got a bunch of lawyers that aren't learning how the sausages are made. 
and what my friend is saying is exactly true. That you know, you get these people that don't they don't know what happens at a trial, so they don't know what's important at a discovery. Really, you get all the paper before a discovery, everything you need to know to assess the case. Discovery is really just about meeting the person and assessing them as a witness. What's this person going to be like at trial? And what's the judge or the jury is going to think about? How are they going right? to react to them? Yeah. And that's just being in the room with another human being and seeing what they're like. We do it every day. You know. There's nothing special about that. Do I like this person? Do I relate to them? Do I think they're full of it? All of those things. And if, they, if, if we like somebody, the case is worth more if they come across as a good witness. Sure, it's the likability factor, right? I mean, if you're just this angry person, I mean, your points go down, really, right? Well, that's exactly it. And, you know, so walking in there with, with a script of questions of, you know, well, the, the, the usual suspects of, of you know, what, talk, talk to me from your head to toe. Where does it hurt here? Where does it hurt there? Well, you know that. Review the medical records. You've already reported out, or you should have reported out to your insurance adjuster well in advance of discoveries to say, here's the medical records. Here's what we know. We may be missing some additional records. You should be looking for those long before you ask for undertakings at discovery. And then assess the case going into the discoveries to say, you, we can spend this much money on a day or two of discoveries, or I assess the case here, let's see what we can do to get rid of it. And that isn't happening enough. I think another consequence, uh, uh, and what, what I'm seeing, um, and people call me old school even though I'm, I'm, I'm younger than, a little bit younger than John, uh, pick up the phone. Lawyer to Lawyer Communications would be a great podcast for us to have. To, you know, uh, lawyers c can easily take positions and pound out emails because it's easy. Pick up the phone, sit down, have that meeting, go tete on tete and see if you can uh, uh, settle it. I was saying to John off air, um, I happen to live next door to uh, a former adjuster who, uh, I'll say this, took off his white hat as the insurance defense guy and put on the black hat and moved into the plaintiff side firms and is doing in-house adjusting. Yeah, but, I know who he is. Yeah. <laughs> but we can sit in the backyard over a drink and walk through three, four, five cases, say, where are you at? Where are we at? How have we assessed the case? And if the two of us are in the ballpark, then he's going back to his instructing lawyers. I'm going back to my instructing principals. And I'd say 85% of the cases we have together, we get settled uh, before discoveries or just shortly thereafter. Cause yeah, you can, can you meet in the middle? Exactly. Right? right? I mean, the other yes. thing that I find interesting is the whole thing about the script. I mean, I've had people ask me, you know, you've done all these interviews, what, what information, you know, like what, what is the script that you use? And I say, it's tombstone information. And they were like, what? I asked them their tombstone. That's the only thing I can tell you that is scripted. Name, address, date of birth, where you live, phone number. Beyond that, it's all about how you interact, right? Well, it's about communicating. You want to get in the room, you know, the big problem a lot of these lawyers make is that they're reading a script and they're not even looking up at the person. It's about having a conversation. Be in the room with the person and meet them. You know, you wouldn't buy a car from somebody that you didn't look in the eye. You know, so why are, you, why are you trying to assess what somebody's case is worth without getting a sense of the person as a person? So, guys, this sounds like it's going to be a great podcast. I'm looking forward to it. Believe it or not, we've blown through 30 minutes here and uh, pretty close, and so we're almost at the end. I'm gonna, let's uh, touch on some things. We've talked about what we're gonna, you know, um, we're gonna talk about, I think we should talk about the changes in the limits in small claims court and, uh, and those as well, like uh, simplified rules and the changes there. Let's talk about that as a podcast. What else do you think we should go on? As a suggestion, do you have, um 
social media out to the members. Like, why don't you put a question out there and let people ask the questions? Yeah, let's do that. We'll I talk mean, about whatever topics they suggest. Yeah, I mean, we're on once a month. We've got a full year of doing this. It's going to be great. Because um, hard enough to get people to listen to lawyers, we're boring enough. So if that happens, at least if it's topics that we know people are interested in, maybe we can. Sure, make I think it we need to talk a little bit about AB. I mean, that's always a hot topic. We, we, I was talking with a, a doctor here just before lunch, and uh, adjusters heard that, you know, oh, psychologist, and immediately sat down. So they want to hear about, you know, the, the stuff that they're doing. And I think that AB is always a hot topic. I think we should definitely talk, like I said, the changes and the limits, and we should talk about, uh, we should really just talk about the changes in uh, how things are being done in the industry from both sides. I, I like that, the plaintiff perspective, the defense perspective, and I definitely will put it out on social media and ask people what they want to hear. Yeah, I think that's a great idea, and, and, and John's quite right. We could sit here and talk all day long about certain cases and go back and forth on it. It may well be more interesting to lawyers, not so much for adjusters. So, yeah, I mean, even breaking down, I mean, I, I can throw some topics from my own perspective in dealing with various adjusters. You know, we can talk about, you know, uh, John and I were talking off air about uh, sometimes some of the problems with settling these cases. Why does it drag on so long? And sometimes a lot of that has to do with adjuster burnout, you know, what, what we aren't talking about, you know, with the lawyers of, you know, so many adjusters are, are getting buried with so many cases and they're going to de either depend on the lawyers to make a decision to tell them here's what this case is worth or they're just going to be left fledgling. And so we can, you know, give some insight into adjusters and, and the change in the industry there and, and, and what's to happen there. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I think uh, we can be wide open. I think, I think uh, based on, on how we've flown through the last 26, 27 minutes on, on sort of one topic, I think we're going to be able to fill our time pretty good. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and the other thing I, I think we, and you kind of touched on it there, is the files getting transferred within the insurance company. You're dealing with adjuster A today, and then it's adjuster B next week, and the, they're always trying to catch up and learn what the file's about. I mean, and... It, and it, it's a little easier now because most people are paperless, but in days of old, you had to physically read the entire file, and, you know, it's sometimes it's accordion files and boxes of information because these cases don't settle sometimes for years. Yeah, I think that's a big problem, adjuster turnover, and it's a bigger problem on the AB side. It just seems like every two months there's a new adjuster. But on the tort, on tort defense side, um, it, it's an issue, and I think... Um, I don't know if I, I'll say the insurer that did it, but a good idea, I, when I was a defense lawyer, the, one of the main insurance companies I used to work for wanted the adjusters to be involved in the case at all times. So the adjuster could get involved and, and approach plaintiff counsel before discovery, after discovery, and try and settle the case even on their own. And I think that's a great thing, and it's something that we try and bring with us to our, as our model on the plaintiff side. We have former adjusters that work for us, and when we're dealing with the case, we know often now that adjusters don't have the authority to deal with something before it goes to counsel, but we make that connection with them, give them an idea about here's where this case is going, here's what we think, we'll see you on the other side, hey, why don't you call us before discovery yourself? Now, some insurers are not allowing them to do that, but I think it's a good thing um, to keep that communication open with the adjusters through, through counsel, but let's all get together. The only time, you know, we shouldn't have to wait until a mediation to to talk to the adjuster is what I'm saying. We can set up other, with counsel, let's set up another discussion. Like my friend is saying, like, let's just talk. Talk. Yeah. 
So, uh, guys, typically when I'm doing these, I'm, I'm talking to insurance people. So, Mike, on your side, it would be easier. John, not so much. So, but if they need to reach you, Mike, and find out about retaining counsel in eastern Ontario, basically Port Hope to the Quebec border, how do they reach you guys? I know you have multiple offices. Is there just a, a central number, a central email? Sure. So you can always email me. Uh, very easy. First initial, last name. So mswindley at tmlegal, like tommarylegal.ca. And if you can't remember that, just think swindle and put a Y on the end of it. I was an appropriately named defense lawyer, I think. Nice. Maybe, maybe a betterly named uh, plaintiff's lawyer. I don't know, John. So, and, and John. Some lawyers. Not, this, not me. That's not our approach. So, John, for you, I, I, and I know you're super approachable because I've dealt with you when you were on the defense side and on the plaintiff side. So, John, how do they reach you if they want to talk settlement or they just want, they just want a plaintiff's perspective? I mean, we, we've never really approached a plaintiff's lawyer for plaintiff's perspective, but... There's nothing, I don't think there's anything wrong with having another point of view. Well, there's not. And I, and I thought, you know, this might be self-promoting a little bit, but um, everybody inside your circle of care as an adjuster, they're going to turn to you if they're in an accident. So the way I look at it, it's they need a lawyer. Well, why not have a lawyer that you respect, a lawyer that used to do what you did that's on the defense side? So that's my pitch and my marketing when it comes to that as well. But uh, I do encourage once you're involved in a file, even just the courage and the handling of it, contact me. I mean, speak to your lawyer about it, obviously. You don't want to be making a run around your lawyer, but you can approach us. And it, it, we're the easiest firm in the world to get a hold of. It's pound 1,000 is our number. It's the easiest thing to remember. You just hit pound on your phone and 1,000. I've got, we've got a phone number. We've got a million other phone numbers, and you can get me at john.russell at Diane Russell, but just remember Diane Russell or pound 1,000. Put any of those in your phone and you'll get it. And, and for, for the young people here, uh, look for the hashtag sign. John is really dating himself with pound. <laughs> yeah. It's hashtag. Is it hashtag? It's hashtag 1000 or pound 1000. People or the older number than... sign 1000? Yeah, yeah. People Are they older... actually, it's Omorado. Is that the actual uh, Latin term for it or yeah. whatever? Yeah, anyway. but it's people over 40 say yeah. pound and people under. That's right. So millennials is hashtag 1000. <laughs> That's right. And uh, everyone else, pound 1000. Well, thanks so much, guys, for being on the show. I mean, it was just more of a meet and greet today. I appreciate you guys and uh, I respect you both very much. And I look forward to the next 12 months working with you guys on this podcast. Thanks, Terry. Thanks, John. Thanks, you guys. Thanks, Mike.